All right, guys, welcome to the Saluda Baptist Church Youth Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Brandon, along with our co-host. What's up? I'm feeling better, and I'm back. And his name is? I'm Batman. Right. I'm Britton. All right, Britton's with us. All right. Um, we're so glad that you guys are here joining us as we recap this week in our youth ministry here at Saluda Baptist Church. Today, we have two special guests with us. So first, we have Andy. Andy, say hello. Hey. And we also have Alexa. Hi. The little drummer girl. She is uh, the drummer for our youth, not just youth, but our our praise team here at the church. So we are glad that they are here with us. I wish I had the doo-doo, because that was just... I, I was thinking the Christmas song. Little drummer girl. <laughs> so we are glad that they are here with us. So before we jump into our first segment, uh, I got a question for you guys. So... Uh, Andy, Alexa, what are some of your bucket list dreams or goals? I want to study abroad in college. Okay. Um, I want to go to Clemson. All right. So, Alexa, uh-huh. so for going to Clemson, how? what are you doing now? How are you pursuing that goal? What are you doing to reach that right now? I'm studying, like, a lot, trying to get, like, good grades. Good grades, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's important. All right. Andy, what about you? I mean, I guess so technically, like, similar to her because I want to go to Clemson because that's their study abroad program is really good. And their architecture, which is what I want to study abroad in, is very highly selective. So I'm, like, getting good grades and studying a lot to make it into that specific college. All right. Any okay. other? Oh, what I was going to say, how many, how many years apart are y'all? Two. Two. You know, what I, you know what I hear with all that? Money. <laughs> your, 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 poor <laughs> your poor parents. <laughs> All right. Any other goals or anything y'all are looking forward to? Skydiving. <laughs> skydiving. Both of y'all. All hey, right. So, do you know that when you go skydiving, like if your parachute messes up, you only have the rest of your life to figure out why? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, you get to spend the rest of your life skydiving. That, that, is true. True. <laughs> that is true. So, yeah, that is true. That's the other way of looking at it. What are y'all doing to pursue that goal? Aging, because you have to be 18 <laughs> to yeah. skydive in nobody, the US. Nobody's Aging. like jumping into the swimming pool no, or jumping we, off we, the treehouse. One time, I jumped <laughs> off the treehouse with a trash bag. There you try, she was trying to visualize. I like Already this. practicing. Yeah. So, I didn't know this even happened. <laughs> that's awesome. It happened like so, a couple years ago. So, you know, anytime we have like a goal or an aspiration, right, we, we have to do certain things to reach those goals like there's steps that we have to take you know to get to where we want to be we can't just sit back and just wait for those things to happen Um, to reach our goals to pursue our goals we have to have commitment to achieving that and so that idea of commitment is going to lead us into our first segment so Britton take us away scripture of the week this week Our scripture of the week is Nehemiah chapter 10. Today we're going to be talking about commitment. And when I think of commitment, I can't help but think about the military. I'm actually holding in my hands right now my ID tags or dog tags that most people, you know, usually call them. And I'm reminded about the beginning of my service in the Army. See, when when I joined uh, the Army, I had to take what's called the Oath of Enlistment. And that Oath of Enlistment goes, I, insert your name, do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend 
the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to regulations and the uniform code of military justice. So help me God. Now, when I joined, I was 20 years old and I had to stand in a room. There was probably 30 or 40 people that were standing in this room with me. We were facing a uh, person. Um, he was in the military. I think it was a captain. And he made us all raise our right hand and we had to repeat this oath after him. And I had no idea, you know, the, the gravity of what I was getting ready to do. I was getting ready to commit the next four years and it ended up being 10 years of my life to serving this country in the army. And, and I was making this commitment to serve, to obey the authority that they placed over me, to, to fully submit myself to do exactly what they told me to do. And that reminds me of what we see happen in Nehemiah chapter 10. In, in Nehemiah chapter 10, we see that the people here are making a commitment or a recommitment to the Lord. Now, at this point in the book of Nehemiah, we see that God has shifted from the rebuilding of the wall to rebuilding his people. And the Israelites now have, have gathered around Jerusalem to focus on reading God's word and then confessing their sin. We read in chapter 8 that they listened to the law of God and then had that, that same law explained to them for six hours. And then in chapter 9, they just did this confession of sin for about three hours. Now, they're wanting to make a new commitment to God to, to, get, to get that commitment right. See, they were already in a covenant relationship with God, but now... They were recommitting, reaffirming that relationship because of how they had messed up. In chapter 10, they're, they're committing to God to start faithful in light of how God was always faithful to them, even in their failures. They were committing to start again, to, to remain true and faithful to the Lord in light of his word. In Nehemiah chapter 9, Verse 38, the chapter ends this way. In view of all this, we are making a binding agreement and writing on a sealed document containing the names of our leaders, Levites and priests. And so at the end of chapter 9, they, they made this binding agreement to, to recommit to following, following the Lord. And in chapter 10, we see that commitment. In chapter 10, we're going to see that they are going to reiterate some of God's laws. Not all of them, but a few of them. And then they're going to commit to follow them. And so more than just committing to God, this was a renewal of that covenant that we talked about earlier. And a covenant is a binding commitment between two parties. A covenant is the basis for any relationship. It could be a business or a marriage, and especially our relationship with God. So as we begin to look at 
Nehemiah chapter 10, the first 27 verses, we're going to see a list of names. And these names are of all the men who signed the document, right? They're, they're all the men that put themselves on the line and said, hey, we're not just going to make this commitment and say it, but we're going to sign it. It actually says in verse 1, it says those whose seals were on the document. See, see, a seal was the ultimate way to prove that you were meaning what was being said or what was being written. You put your seal on it, then it was sure. Then you, you were guaranteeing it, like it, your seal was on it. And that's what these men were doing. That's what this list of names was doing. It Now, we can get to all these lists of names in the Bible and we think, oh my goodness, you know, do I really need to read all of these names, right? But these names were important to God. These names were special to God. So special, so important that they were recorded in his word forever. And what's interesting also in Nehemiah 10 verse 1, we see it says those whose seals were on the document were, and the first name is the governor of Nehemiah. Now, th this is very, very interesting to me. And I think this is, is very significant because he wasn't just the leader. He wasn't just the one leading them in the building of the wall, but he was the first one to say, hey, I have also failed. I have also strayed away from following the Lord and doing what he wanted me to do. So he's the first one to put his seal. And then there is 83 other names of men that are putting themselves on the line for this new covenant as well. And another thing that's very interesting is seeing that their seals are there. And we know that Nehemiah, you know, he, he is representative of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The covenant that we are now in with God is one through the blood of Jesus, through the resurrection of Jesus. And the book of Ephesians says that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. See, here they're making this commitment, this, this new covenant to the Lord, and they are putting their seals, their names to guarantee it. But for us in Christ, our covenant is sealed by the Holy Spirit. So that's the first 27 verses. Now, when we get to verse 28, we see that now they are getting to the details, right? They're, they're getting to what they are focusing on in this, in this covenant that they are are making to God, this, this recommitment to the Lord. So in verse 28, we see that all who are able to understand, so this is representative of everyone, everyone who has heard the law, everyone that, that was able to understand. So in chapter 8, we, this is the same language we see of all those that were listening to the law being read and, and then being taught what it meant so they could understand. In verse 28, we see that now their focus is to obey the law of God. That they are going to obey the law of God. And verse 29 actually says that all of these people, all that could understand, will join with their noble brothers and commit themselves with a sworn oath to follow the law of God given through God's servant Moses and to obey carefully all the commands, ordinances, and statutes of the Lord our God. 
This is what they were committing to do. They were committing themselves to walk in the ways of God, to walk and follow God's law. That was the commitment that they were making to, to, to obey, to obey the command, to obey the word of God. And they were making this sworn oath. Now, in this covenant, in this new commitment, they picked a few to highlight. It says here that they were committing themselves to walk in all of God's law, but they specifically picked out a few. First, in verse 30, we see that they specifically mention that they will not marry outside of their faith, outside of their people. So they were committing not to marry outside of the faith, outside of those who believe in the one true God. Now, we know that this was a problem. We've already talked about it in Ezra. We've talked about it um, in Nehemiah. This was a problem where the people were marrying people outside of the faith. So now they were committing specifically, saying this command by name, that they would not marry outside of the faith. In verse 31, we see that they were committing to uh, not, not shop, basically, not purchase anything on the Sabbath. And then they were going to give the land a year of rest every seven years. And they were also committing to cancel every debt at this time as well. So, so basically, they were agreeing to some of the commands and how God would, told them to, to operate, how God told them to conduct their business, their lives. You know, hey, don't work, don't purchase on the Sabbath. You know, every seven years, you need to give the land rest. You need to release people from their debt. That was how he called them to live. And then in verse 32, we see that they committed to give, to give all of the, the offerings that were necessary for the services at the temple. And so, you know, we, we could wonder, hey, you know, why did, you know, why did they pick these specific, you know, laws of God to highlight? And we can see if we look back, if we look back at the, the, their ancestors, if we look at look back at the nation of Israel, at how they had failed, at how they had disobeyed God, it was in these ways, you know, in marrying people outside of their faith and not taking, you know, the Sabbath and not taking, you know, taking care of the temple and giving everything that they needed seriously and, and not forgiving debt. These were ways that the people, their forefathers had failed. So they wanted to specifically focus on these areas. They were making no excuses for the compromise that they and their ancestors had made. They, they wanted to choose a new path to follow God. They wanted to, to choose to not disobey, but to follow the Lord's commands. And what's so interesting, if you read through verses 34 through 36, they were focusing on doing what was written in the law of God. You can see that phrase, what was written in the law of God, what's in the law of God. That is what their focus was changing to. That is the new commitment that they were making. In light of hearing God's word in chapter 8, in light of confessing the sin that they were being convicted of in chapter 9, now 
they were making this commitment to follow what was written in the law of God to change their behavior and live for him. And, you know, that makes me think about our own lives. When we spend time with the Lord, when we spend time with God through maybe it's reading, reading our Bibles, maybe it's listening to worship music, maybe it's, uh, you know, we, we gather together with our, our local body of believers at what we call church, and we, we worship together, we sing songs, we listen to the pastor preach. Whenever we spend time with the Lord, do we face conviction? Do we, are we overcome with conviction in that way that, that we are led to make a commitment to the Lord? That we are made, you know, made aware of, hey, these are some changes you need to make in your life. Do we come to that place where we want to make that same kind of commitment? You know, in my life, there are many times where God reveals things to me that where I have fallen, where I have not taken seriously the commitment that I've made to him and where I have kind of drifted and fallen away. And so when those times happen to us, how do we make that commitment to get back on track, to get back to, as they said, following what was written in the law of God? Should we make a document? Should we write something up and sign it? No, but God wants us to commit to him. God wants us to rest in the covenant of Jesus made by the blood of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And he wants our hearts to be committed to God through the strength of his spirit. So what we see here in Nehemiah chapter 10 is the people making this recommitment to him. But what we need to, to gain from this as believers who are in a covenant relationship with God through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, sealed by the Holy Spirit, is that we need to have that same strength of commitment in our hearts to follow the Lord, to obey his commands to do according to what was written in his law because we are in that covenant, that binding relationship with him. And that is our scripture of the week, Nehemiah chapter 10. All right, Britton, take us away. All right. You ask, we answer. You ready for this one, Brandon? All right, what you got? Is God real? Okay, so our first question, is God real? So, Andy, Alexa, have y'all ever heard this question before, like in school or whatever? People yeah. ask this question. I've heard it yeah. a good bit, yeah. yeah. So, how would you respond if someone asked you, is God real? Um, I feel like, for me, I respond like, yes, I know he's real because of, like, my faith in him. Like, being a Christian, I guess, it's like that firm foundation of knowing that he is real but then somebody asks you to prove it you're like well read the bible i guess but it's my faith that shows shows me that he's real yeah so so you said something that i, I want to jump on and so answering this question is god real you said you know prove it right you use that that phrase you know to, to prove it and 
a lot of the questions that we've gotten recently, Britain, you know, they, they've been these kind of questions like, oh, prove this, prove that. They've like, been some, they've been some, you know, some big questions too. Yeah, but but it's like, you know, I want you to prove this to me, and there's not many things in life that we can 100% prove, you know, like we can prove two plus two is four, you know, that, that we can prove that we, we can prove how long, you know, my phone is, I can get a measuring tape and I can measure it. I can prove that. But, you know, you can't even prove that George Washington existed. You can't prove it. You can see pictures. You can look at, you know, currency and see his face on a dollar bill. You know, you can word, word of mouth. You can read about him. You can hear about him, but you can go to his grave. I'm sure. I don't know where it's at, but I'm sure you can go and see where he is buried. Right, there ain't nothing um, left. I mean, you know, but, this pine box. But the thing is, you you cannot prove it, right? But how do we know that George Washington is real? We can look at all of the evidence that points to, hey, there was a guy named George Washington, and this is all the stuff that he did. And so, the same is true when we think about this question: Is God real? Can I prove it? Can I, anyone listening to this, you know, am I going to say anything that is going to give you proof where you can be like, oh yeah, God is real. Cool. No, but I can point to some evidence and, and that's what I want to do um, it, in the next couple of minutes, just point to, to some evidence. And so if you ask Alexa, not our Alexa here, but our Echo Alexa, as, as you guys call it, is God real? What do you think she would say? She's going to say people have their own views on religion. That's what she's going to say. And, and she's kind of right because, you know, if, if you ask someone, hey, is God real? They're either going to be an atheist, so they're going to believe there is no God. They're going to be a pantheist or, or pantheism, and they're going to believe that everything is God. Or they're going to be a theist or believe in theism, which says that there is a God. And so depending on who you talk to, that's going to be how they answer that question. But I like to think about two main things when I think about this question, is God real? And a lot of this stuff, um, I got um, the ideas for it from reading this book by a guy named Lee Strobel. It's called, Is God Real? Exploring the Ultimate Question of Life. And there's a couple books by him. Check them out if this is a topic, if this question is something that you want you know, to know more information on, uh, more evidence. You know, Check that book out. But when I think about, is God real? All right, first piece of evidence, okay? Anything that exists has to have a cause. Do you think, can we agree with that? Do you yeah. guys agree with that? Yeah. 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 yeah, so if something exists, it has to have a cost, all right? And almost every scientist in the world, I'm not going to say every, but I think almost, agrees that at some point in the past, the universe universe began to exist so if the universe began the universe has to have a what a beginning a cause right you know whatever begins to exist has to have a cause so if the universe began it has to have a cause now there are going to be some people that say that the cause of the universe was a big bang right um some people are going to say that but then the Big Bang began, so something had to cause, it. cause the Big Bang, right? So anything that begins to exist has to have a cause. So what kind of cause can bring the universe into existence? Well, 
there's a few things that we can know for sure, right? So the cause has to be transcendent. So what that means is that it has to be separate from creation. So whatever the cause is has to be separate. Why don't we do that? Whatever the cause is has to be separate from creation. It also has to be spiritual or immaterial. That means that it has to exist before the physical world because the physical world is what began. So the cause can't be physical. It has to be spiritual or immaterial. It also has to be eternal or timeless. That means it needs to exist before time physically came into being. It also has to be powerful. I mean, just look at the immense nature of creation. I thought you were going to say, look at the sun. No. <laughs> like power. Well, well, no, no, no. Look, look at the sun. It was created, right? Don't actually look so, at the sun. <laughs> so for someone to create the sun, how powerful it is, the cause has to be even more powerful than that. It has to be smart. You know, look at the precision and the preciseness of everything that was created. It has to be creative. You know, just look at everything in the universe. Look at the galaxies, the stars, the planets, like everything. It has to be creative. It has to be loving or caring. You know, the cause has to love because, I mean, look at how carefully crafted everything is. And the last thing, there has to be just one cause. So there's this principle it's called Occam's razor, and, and what that means is basically, to, to sum it up, is that the simplest explanation is the best one. So the simplest explanation is if there was a cause to the universe, there would have to just be one. Now you have some people like, oh, well, everything's God. That's the pantheist. There's a bunch of cause. No, that's not simple. I mean, I love steak as much as the next person, <laughs> but I'm not looking at my steak going, that's God. So I want you guys to think about all the the things I use to describe what that cause must be like. All right. Transcendent, spiritual, transcendent, spiritual, eternal, powerful, smart, personal, creative, loving. What does that kind of sound like it's describing? God. Yeah. And now now this is you know, th this is not me coming up with this list. Like th this is you know, some scientific philosophy, philosophy saying, hey, this is this is what a the cause must be like. And when you just read the list, it's describing God, right? It, it, it's, it's, it's describing God. It's always funny how like some scientists are like, we're going to try to un like we're not we're going to try to prove that God's not real. And they want to just like highlighting everything like they may it may have been an atheist that came up with this list as may have never read reading the Bible. But you read through that list and you're like. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. So and, and then so then there's that list. But remember, we're talking about, hey, whatever begins to exist has to have a cause. That's the first piece of evidence. There's also another idea in philosophy, and it's basically this idea that an infinite regress, this is a big thing, infinite regress is impossible. Brandon, what the heck is an infinite regress? That's well, a big word. It is a big it's word. A so, so I'll break it down. So imagine there you walk outside and you see a lamp just hanging from the sky on a chain. And that chain just goes on up in the sky forever, okay? And you just have like link after link of that chain just going on up until you can't see it, all right? And then someone tells you, hey, that lamp is being hung up by this chain 
but the chain isn't attached to anything. Would that lamp be able to be hanging? No. No, because no, it would what? It'd fall. It would fall. <laughs> Gravity. So the, the problem is that the chain has to be dependent on something to, to hold it up. And so saying that there is not a final point of the chain, like a mm -hmm. beginning, that's the infinite regress. Like it just, mm -hmm. oh, the chain just goes on forever, mm -hmm. but there's no place that it's connected to anything. That, that doesn't work, right? So those who believe that God is real believe that God exists out outside of time, outside of space in this world, and that he's the one who created or caused or is responsible for the entire chain, including where it's attached to. Mm -hmm. And so God is like the uncaused cause, the one who created everything. And so those who don't believe in God only have one alternative, that there's no ultimate cause and basically things just exist because they do and it's all coincidence and, and and so it's just this idea of oh well the beginning just happened but it just kept going and and it's this idea of an infinite regress and scientific evidence and philosophy prove like that that doesn't work that does not work and so that is one big hey is god real well anything that begins to exist has to have a cause and so what would be the best most logical cause but God and there's also one other thing that I want to and, and this one really hit me like and there's many many more but it's called fine-tuning of the universe mm -hmm. have you guys ever heard that before I think so too, all right yeah. so if you look at the fine-tuning of the universe so what fine-tuning is all about um, it's about like the features of the universe that are necessary for the existence of life. All right. And so basically um, there's like science teaches there's like 50 to 100 of these parameters that govern everything and they have to be exactly right or there would not be able to be life on on the earth. And so I actually got these four that I'm going to just share with you from um, a guy named J.W. Richards. He has a list of fine-tuning parameters, all right? So this is the first one, gravity, all right? Um, there is a, like, a setting for how much gravity there needs to be, right? If, there was, if it was just changed a little bit, we would either just float away or we would be crushed, right? I mean, like, look, look, at, look at Mars. It's mm -hmm. the closest planet in our solar system to Earth with mass and density and all that. And the gravity is slightly off, no life. Yeah, so just think about, like, gravity has to be exactly what it is right now or life couldn't exist. Also, there's the velocity of light, so how fast light travels. If it were larger, the stars would be too luminous. So if the sun, being the closest star to us, were too luminous, we would burn, burn. up, mm -hmm. right? Um, if it were smaller, the velocity of light, the stars would not be luminous enough. So, again, the sun, if it weren't luminous enough, we would freeze. freeze. Yep. So, that's just the velocity of light, like how fast light travels. The third one. This one is the mass excess of neutrons over protons. Mm -hmm. All right? That sounds super boring. But if it were greater, there would be too few heavy elements for life. 
And if it were smaller, the stars would collapse and turn into either neutron stars or black holes. Black holes. So that w- I wouldn't want to experience <laughs> that. That would not be fun. And then the last one, and there's like 50 to 100 of these, but this is just four. The ratio of masses for protons and electrons. If it were slightly different, the building blocks for life, like DNA, could not be formed. Mm-hmm. Now, this isn't the Bible. This isn't scripture. This is physics. And all these things are pointing to things in this universe are so precise that something had to intentionally make them that way. Like, just think about, oh, I want to throw a ball into that next room and it's going to bounce around and we're going to walk in there and a puzzle is going to be put together. That's not going to happen. It don't work like that. No, it it does not work (laughs) like that. So, you know, when I think about, hey, is God real? Two pieces of evidence. You know, the fine-tuning of the universe, how precise everything that was created has to be just to Mm -hmm. still be, points to me that there is a God. And also, the fact that anything that begins has to have a cause. Well, the only uncaused cause, the only thing that makes sense would be a creator, would be God. Yeah. Yeah. I like like how you have all that because what was always told to me was the analogy of, oh, well, you know, just take a bunch of watch parts, stick them in the bag, and shake the bag. Mm-hmm. And when you dump it out, you're not going to have a watch put together. Because I don't know, have y'all ever messed with, like, the old school pocket watches? Yep. I'm a nerd. If I wear a, if you see me wear a vest, I have a pocket watch. I have, like, two or three of them. I love them. They're very intricate little machines. And, I mean, the battery-powered ones, eh, but the, the wind-up ones are very intricate. Mm-hmm. If one thing is slightly off... It will not work. I have my great-grandfather's pocket watch that was given to me tonight when I got married from my dad. It doesn't work. I need to go take it somewhere to get it work. I'm too scared to pop that thing apart and look at it because I'm not a watch person. I I mean, I I know about watches, but I do not know how to fix watches. And I have one that has a glass back that you can see the insides. You talk about some tiny springs, but that's like, I like, like I'm going to use what you just said. I'll probably have to listen to it a thousand more times so I can remember it. <laughs> but it was like, that's that's better than the, like, oh, you prove God's real. You know, prove God's real. Okay, well, how about you prove the Big Bang was real? Here's a bunch of watch parts. I want you to shake it up and make me a watch. Yeah, so ultimately, like, the question, is God real? Does God exist? You know, again, we can't answer it with absolute proof, but we can point to all of the evidence that points to there being a creator, there being a God. And that was just two things. Like there's all kinds of other arguments, all kinds of other evidence that we can point to. You know, there's there's our consciences, there's all, all these other things. Mm-hmm. But accepting that God is real, you know, it's not a blind faith leap into the dark, you know. It's not just, oh, I believe in God is real and it's just my faith. You know, like Andy was talking about her mm-hmm. faith. Yeah, faith is a huge part of it, but we don't just believe that God is real blindly. Like there is evidence you know it's, it's basically instead of like being blind faith like oh i'm blind i'm just gonna take a step imagine it's like you're stepping out of a dark room into a well-lit room like that's what faith is because it's we can see there's evidence for it and so obviously the answer to this question we could talk for hours so let's wrap up this question is god real 
Um, we gave a couple evidences we can look at, but here, here's some books. All right. So if you're listening to this or if you guys are interested, uh, there's three books. First one, Is God Real? Exploring the Ultimate Question of Life. That's by Lee Strobel. Check that out. Um, some of these arguments are in there in like greater detail, and then there's a bunch more. Uh, there's also a book called Building Belief uh, by Ch- Chad Meister. All right, M-E-I-S-T-E-R. I'm probably saying it wrong, um, but he, he does a really, really good job of building uh, the case for there being a God. And the last one is Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. So Lee Strobel does a lot of books about all this stuff. All right, that's the answer to Is God Real? I saw a clip a few weeks ago on TikTok, and it was young Sheldon, and like he was talking to his mom, and he and she was like, oh, oh and, and he's like, well, and you know, he's an atheist or whatever, and he was like, well, I'm not saying I believe in God, but the universe is at such a particular thing that if it was one degree off, we'd all explode or we'd all implode, and so yeah. he was telling his mom that to kind of comfort her, yeah. Yeah. and that reminded me of this. Cool. All right. Rolling the last Yeah, we'll just... We're, interview. Uh, yeah, interview time. You just took my job. That's my job. I have the fancy... I'm sorry. ...editing. Womp womp. Womp womp. Womp womp. Guest interview. All right, so as we begin our third segment with our guest interview, we have Alexa and Andy with us. So y'all have been official members of our church for what about a month, month or, or two or so. yeah we've well, been going for over a year i started going last september and then because Mackenzie brought me and then a few weeks later i started bringing her because i wanted f- to go to um look up winter camp yeah yep. and a few weeks after that we brought roland now so. when was the was that the first time you came to the church the first time we ever came was the super bowl party Three years ago. That's right. Yeah. That's that's what I. Yeah. That's Woo! what I was for. All right. Um, you know, Validation. We, we we talked about y'all. I think on one of maybe the first one. Like did I we, was. I don't, know, I don't know if we named. Yeah. I didn't. We didn't mention us by name, yeah. but you were like, well, some people. Well, Super Bowl sometimes brings new people in. I'm like, <laughs> y'all, they're y'all talking were about too. Us. Y'all yeah. were too. There's there's more, but I, I'm not gonna name drop them either. But <laughs> so yeah, uh, since. Since the Super Bowl party, that's y'all's like first appearance. Well, but, our first first um, appearance at this church was preschool. Uh, okay. We came to preschool well, here. Yeah, but that was like our first years ago. Yeah. Right. Well, well, with the youth ministry. Yeah. Yes. Right? With the youth ministry. Before Brandon. Yeah. B. B. C. Or B. 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 Before Brandon. So shout out to the preschool. There's a lot of people that come through that. It's a great great program that Miss Tammy does. Who was the teacher? Ms. Tammy. Was it still Miss Tammy? Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. She's been doing that a long time. So, you guys came three years ago for the Super Bowl party. Alexa came back because she just wanted to go to look up. Yep. Right. But, um, but, <laughs> but no. What about like the youth ministry or our church? Like, what are some things that you, you know, like that you enjoy um, coming to doing with us? That sort of stuff. I love, one thing I love about it is just like we're all so close. It feels like I don't have anyone that's, I won't say a friend, but like there's no one here I've never not talked to. We have a closer connection to the people here than we have at our old church. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely noticed that too. Like when you, you know, come in on a Wednesday night um, or, or Sunday morning, whatever, there may be like groups of people that you know, hey, okay, they're friends. Got my little click. But yeah. but but it's really not that clicky. Yeah. Like it, it's not clicky at all because 
you may be hanging out with your friends that you hang out with at school, but you know, someone may come in and it's just like, okay, whatever. And you're going to talk to them too. Like it's not, mm-hmm. it's not clicky. And, and that's, that's a really cool thing. Well, I mean, you and me, we just kind of circle through yeah. the three different rooms mm-hmm. that we have and we try to play some games and stuff like that also. I mean, that's, that's what I try to do. That way you don't get stuck in the same ruts of talking to the, the same people. Because, I mean, yeah, if you see them you Sunday yeah. and then Wednesday, you kind of run out of stuff to talk about. Yeah, but, you and know, y'all connect to us as well. Like, we, we, we try. Yeah. We try. Yeah, you big kids. Um, but I, I resemble that, okay? Um, they didn't get that. They didn't get that joke. Resemble. What? Britain got it. <laughs> we're, we're, y'all are too old and we're too young. And, instead of saying I resent it, I said um, I resemble it. Meaning... Okay. It, all right, Brandon. True. All right. Uh, uh, okay. Obviously, I don't. Wah, wah, wah. She's like, oh, you connect with us, and then first joke fail. But Literally. anyway, Sorry. dad joke. Uh, they didn't get it. They're not parents yet. Yeah. <laughs> one, one, I one day. I would hope so. One day. Yeah. One day you'll get the the really bad jokes. But I apologize. So, um, tell us a little bit about. For Andy, I'm going to ask Alexa a separate Uh-oh. question. So for Andy, what is your favorite activity that we do that you like to be involved in? Well, um, you mean like trips we take or just, just like stuff we anything, do? Anything, anything. My favorite thing so far at least has been Mission Serve. Um, also, summer is like my favorite season, so I just love everything we do during the summer. But like Mission Serve especially because I met one of my best friends on Mission Serve. Ava, I wasn't friends with her before that, but um, and I just like I love the experience that that had, and I guess just like Wednesday nights, I guess I love coming in here. It's like it's something I look forward to every week. It's like Mondays I have nothing, Tuesdays I have practice, Wednesdays I can come in here and I just like a little break throughout my week. It's like all right, you're halfway through, and I get to be with my friends and people I enjoy being around, and so I guess and so like I said, mission star is one of my favorite things, but it's once a year. youth every Wednesday night it's every Wednesday night so there's that like I can always look forward to it okay all right Alexa I'll let you answer that question too I got one for her too um my favorite thing that we've done so far was for the praise team I loved kids camp and again with going with Andy said Wednesday nights as well but winter jam the other day was really fun winter jam like was so it was good so fun day. like <laughs> I love that yeah. shout out winter jam yeah. y'all are awesome I'm gonna tag them in this somehow yay <laughs> go winter jam but no, yeah that, that was awesome so Alexa brought up like the kids camp mm-hmm. so Britain might have a similar I got question, a question that goes along with it um, but, but I do too but uh so our praise team here, which is mostly our youth, you know, they actually go to the camp that our children go to, and they lead the worship. Um, this will be the second summer that they've done that. Shout uh, out God Squad! <laughs> you got to rename that. It's been taken. Yeah, apparently uh, well, been taken. Womp womp. Um, but anyway, um, right. Alexa, what was? Hold up. All right, we're gonna restart that. I have my phone on silent and it still <laughs> rang. What the heck? Okay. Um, edit all this up. All right, Alexa. So, question for you: What has it been like having a like every week a big like 
part in the service like you know p- playing the drums for the praise team like that's that's a big thing like people are literally staring at you yeah you know every well, week I'm, I'm, I'm a little hidden a little hidden just a but little. you know but yeah w- w- what has it been like having that kind of a a role like that that level of a you know because a lot of people serve like you know andy does a lot of things with you know like youth sunday you do like you did the children's corner and you know y'all help with different things with the kids at different times but you know, for you, Alexa, it's literally like every week and you're like up there in front. Yeah. W- what has that been like for you? For me, it's been like really fun. And honestly, so we had only been coming here for like a couple months whenever like I started playing. And I think like playing has really helped me like come out of my shell. And it's helped mm-hmm. me like meet some of the other people in the church that I don't like wouldn't normally talk to. Because, like, they recognize me from, like, playing on Sunday mornings. And they're like, hey, what's up, drummer girl? Um, <laughs> See? Yeah. Um, it's but, stuck. Um, but, no, it's, like, it's been really fun. And I, like, I couldn't imagine not doing it now that I've done it for so long. So, Britton, we shouldn't tell her that we got to fire her. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. Wait, what? This is news to me. Like, <laughs> All right, Britton, so I think okay. you, had, you had a question. Yeah. All right. So, this goes way, way back. I caught when that you played the drums. Now, whenever you were coming as a guest before you played, did you ever feel kind of kind of called? Did you ever see like a, hey, I see this area that, you know, I can do this. They may need some help or they may need to free somebody. Did you ever feel called? Well, um, back, it was the Halloween party, like, the first year that I was here. We were getting ready to go, and I had mentioned something about playing the drums. Brandon was like, yeah, we, um, we, uh, we're looking for somebody to play the drums. And so I had been thinking about it a lot, and then it really came to Look Up Lodge. Um, I was talking with Pastor Brandon. We were, like, on the way to, like, the little party thing that they had. And he mentioned playing with, um, playing the drums, like, for real, during the worship service. And I was like, yeah, I've, that's really something that I really want to do. I think the Lord has really made a space for me so that I can do that for him. Awesome. And I want to say that. Thank you for listening to the Lord calling you to do that. That uh, You don't know how much it means to have a drummer on Sundays that we can rely on. That's always there. Might be like a minute late, but that's just that's just that's just drummers. They're just like that. But uh, you don't know how much it means because it can it can free me and Brandon up. Because Brandon he plays the drums better than I do. I have to practice all during the week if I'm gonna do a song. But uh, it it just means so much, and I want to say thank you for stepping up and doing that. Always. All right. So <laughs> extremely humble. Yeah. <laughs> the humble drummer. But. All right. So as we kind of end uh, this episode of the podcast. Uh, Andy, Alexa, do, do you guys have anything you would like to say? Anything you'd like to ask as we wrap up? Not really. I think I'm good. Yeah. All right. So, dodged uh, another one. Dodged like, like every every time we ask it, I'm like, okay, they're gonna say something like make some ridiculous demand or something. Oh, so far we've had one like uh, I think it was Levi, you know, plugging his YouTube, YouTube channel. <laughs> but other than, other than that, hey, go check out his good. YouTube channel if you yeah. haven't. So. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to wrap everything up. I want to say a prayer for us. And- All right.
Andy, Alexa, thank you all for joining us. Hope it was fun. Thank you for having um, us on the podcast. Yeah, so I was a little last minute, but hey, you, you joined in. But all right, let's uh, let's pray, and then we will see you guys next time. Let's pray, uh, God. We just thank you so much for God. We thank you for Andy and Alexa. We thank you for uh, just what they mean to uh, the youth ministry here at Saluda Baptist. We thank you for all that they uh, bring to the table. Their um, their talents, their gifts. We we thank you. Um, for how they serve in the various ways. Um, God, we just pray that you would continue to use them and bless them and that you would continue to uh, speak to them and, and show yourself to them in, in their lives. And, and God, we just pray as we uh, leave this place and as whoever is listening to this right now, God, as they uh, continue on with their, their day, their week, uh, God, that we would just remember that as we go, you go with us. And uh, we just pray that you would always let us keep that in our mind. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. 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 All right, youth, don't forget every Thursday the podcast drops. I'm not sure what time, but I know on my drive in the mornings I'm listening to it. Um, if you have any questions or anything, um, write me and Pastor Brandon or scan our little QR code that we have. Send the questions in. If you'd like to be on the podcast, let us know. Um, thank you all for, for coming and being a part of Saluda uh, Baptist Youth. Uh, without y'all, I don't know what me and Brandon would be doing. We'd probably just be sitting up here hanging out by ourselves. <laughs> anyway, love y'all and see you later.